we got an old pram and we all lifted this turtle and put the turtle on the back of this pram and off we went. There must have been 10 to 15 children all walking down towards the beach. Welcome to Saltwater Stories of the Larrakia, a podcast that shares our knowledge of country, community, family and culture so you can feel welcome here and understand our story and deep connection to our home. My name is Richard Fijo and I'm a Larrakia man and elder. Our land includes country and sea from Darwin and its harbour to about 50 kilometres inland and to the east and west. In this episode, you'll be hearing from my big sister, Dr. Alita Fijo, who blazes her own trail, living and working between two cultures as she looks after the health of Aboriginal people throughout the top end of Australia. Hello, I'm Dr. Alita Fijo. I'm a Larrakia traditional owner and elder from Darwin from my father's side, and I'm also a Warramunga traditional owner from my mother's side. I'm now a specialist general practitioner. I choose to work with our people. I'm a remote GP doctor. So um, I can be anywhere in the northern part of Australia where it's warm. I'm currently in Port Hedland in Western Australia. I was always interested in how the body works and not just interested, absolutely fascinated and I remember when I was a little girl just my mother must have brought home a book it was a a black leather hardcover book but the pages were from made from rice paper and uh, I remember sitting on the floor in my lounge room and I'd be turning the pages now the interesting thing about this book was that it had different layers The first layer would be the skin and then you'd turn the page over, the rice paper page, and and the next page would be the fat of this body, okay? And then the next layer might be uh, blood vessels and nerves and you'd go through all of the layers till you got through to the bone. I used to read that book all the time. That book started me thinking about our body and started me on that journey, I believe, towards medicine. As I was growing up, I saw many of my people, my family, extended family, Aboriginal people, get sick and die, and they died very young. And I saw the statistics of Aboriginal deaths versus non-Aboriginal deaths in the Northern Territory and the lights went on. There was a huge discrepancy. Aboriginal deaths far outweighed non-Aboriginal deaths and it was not acceptable to me. It was not fair that it's my people that are getting sick and dying young. And so if I can do something about that, then I will. And that's when I decided, yeah, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to do something about this. And I have, and it was the best decision. It was very hard journey, but the best decision and I would do it again. I love my patients. I love my job. Everywhere I go, 
I fall in love with my patients. It's wonderful. It's a win-win situation. I do walk between two worlds and the ability to do that has really helped me in my career, not as a career strategy, but to be able to communicate with both groups of people. Western medicine is is based on science. It's a completely different language to traditional languages and understanding. They're completely two different worlds. And I've been very lucky to be able to be guided uh, to be having my traditional ancestry beliefs and understanding about how how the body works and how healing happens and then being able to be taught on the Western side. We have Western medicine, you know, with all of the, the treatments and medications and therapies. We also have traditional medicine with treatments and therapies and medications. Uh, those medications are still out there, usually amongst the plants and the animals. So it's about learning the language of both cultures and being able to bring it together to the point where if you are sitting there as my patient, I can communicate my message to you. And that truly is what a doctor is, is a teacher. And without that communication, I cannot help my patient to understand what it is that the patient needs to do and what we need to do to get the best outcome for that. In the Darwin area, one of the most powerful medicines that we know is the billy goat plum or the kakadu plum. This is a little plum. It's the size of a marble and it's green. When it's ripe, it just goes slightly yellow, grows in from a great big tree. And it's sort of got a hairy, uh, sour texture to it. Uh, and with a seed, a very hard seed. You don't want to chomp on that seed or you'll break your tooth. Uh, but it's about the size of salty plums, okay? And you can, you can eat a handful of these. We know that this little plum is very strong medicine, very good medicine, has lots of vitamin C, and we take it when we have cold and flu-like symptoms. A couple of years ago, when the virus was coming, we thought, oh, what can we do? Because, of course, back then we didn't have the we didn't have the vaccinations. What happens if we couldn't get medication? What happens if we're out in the bush and we don't have the resources through Western medicine? What can we do? Well, we can do this. We can eat the plants that we know that can help with cold and flu symptoms, such as this. And for me and my family, that's what we did. We are lucky because, see, now we are living in both worlds. So we use the best of both worlds to be able to help us to stay healthy. And that includes the plants and animals that we find in the sea. Because, you know, if you want to have a really healthy body, you have to eat fresh and you have to eat natural because we've got natural bodies. And the thing about Larrakia 
our bodies are perfect. Our bodies are absolutely made perfectly for our environment. So it makes sense to eat the foods from your environment as much as you can. You know, we've inherited our bodies from thousands of years from our ancestors, and uh, this is what we've got now. This is how we can help prevent illness by eating, making healthy choices, by doing the exercise, by going for those walks for kilometres to find that plant or that animal, to bend, to lift, to carry. This is the exercise. This is how we stay healthy. Today, I would like to tell you a story about when I was a little girl. We lived about a kilometre or so from the Rapid Creek Beach. And uh, one day, my father brought home a great big sea turtle and put that sea turtle in the backyard. And, uh, and then I saw him get out his knife and his steel and he started uh, sharpening up his knives. And I thought, oh, this means business. So uh, the next thing, I saw him jump in the car and go somewhere. Well, while he was away, all the children came across and we're having a look at this great big turtle. And this turtle started to have tears come out of his eyes. Well, we were sweet, innocent little children. And we saw, we saw the tears coming out. And my sister, my little sister Morella, she said, oh, He's crying. He must be missing his family. Why don't we take him back to his family? And all the kids agreed this was a great idea. So we got, a, we got an old pram and we all lifted this turtle and put the turtle on the back of this pram and off we went. There must have been 10 to 15 children all walking down, down uh, towards the beach, taking this turtle back and we... We took the turtle out to, to the sea and uh, put him right next, next, to the, next to the water. He turned around and we were going, bye, bye turtle, go, go and visit your family, go back to your family, be happy, bye. And, and off he went and he went into the water. Well, we were so pleased and we came back and we told my mother, she said, where's the turtle? Okay. Oh, we freed him. We took him back. He's happy. He's with his family now. Well, not long after that, my dad got home and I saw my mum run out from the house to the car and she was going, Jim, Jim. And he, he had his brother with him in the car, must have come to help him to butcher the turtle. And uh, she was between us and my dad and she's talking to him. And then all of a sudden I see my dad's head hang down. We did not eat turtle that night. But along the beach there, Nightcliff, Rapid Creek, Casherina Beach was full of food. We would get turtle eggs every year when I was a little girl. We would go early in the morning, find the turtle's tracks and find where the turtle nest was and just get, you know, just get a few turtle eggs and cover it up again. If you keep on going around that Casherina Beach all the way to Buffalo Creek, there's lots of other food there too. There was kangaroo, buffalo, goannas, and then in the sand there were big cockles in the muddy section that we used to get, as well as the fish. All the time, you know, we had fishing lines and fish nets and fish traps. 
And then if you come back this way, all along the shore, the different foods from rosellas, uh, coconuts, um, all passion fruit. There was just food everywhere. Whenever we went collecting food, foraging or hunting, we only took what we needed for that day for our family. So everything was always fresh. And the principle was just take what you need and leave this food for another day so that there's always food for another day, food for another season. And with every season, there was a different type of food that was available, whether the food was um, plants or whether it was animals or whether it was fish. But there was always enough food there. And this, this is about sustainability. And this is one of the key traditions that Aboriginal people have. I can feel the warmth and the breeze and the smell of the salt. It's just wonderful. This is home. This is home to me. Uh, this is where I grew up. This is where I've raised my children. This is where I hope to be buried one day. But how wonderful that feeling to, to see the sunset, to see the plants, to see the sparkles of the sunlight onto the water. It's magnificent, truly magnificent. And I am so blessed to be able to have that as my home. Saltwater Stories of the Larrakia is a City of Darwin podcast created in collaboration with the Larrakia people of Darwin. This episode features Dr Alida Fijo, a general practitioner working with Aboriginal people around Northern Australia and a proud Larrakia and Wurrumungu woman. This podcast was produced by Laura Uden and Cinnamon Nippard with the editorial support from Johanna Bell and mixing by Hamish Robinson. The beautiful soundtrack was composed by Larrakia woman Nina Kelly and produced by Skinny Fish Music. Subscribe to Saltwater Stories of the Larrakia wherever you get your podcasts and for more information head to discover.darwin.nt.gov.au. This podcast series is proudly brought to you by the City of Darwin. Mamak, this means see you later in Larrakia language. We hope to see you soon on Larrakia Country. <laughs> <laughs>